Good morning, my name is Jillian. The Old Testament reading is found in Isaiah 1, 16 to 20. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us saddle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Nicole. The New Testament reading is found in Colossians 3, 12 through 15. Put on then as God's chosen chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. The word of the Lord. Good morning, my name is Diana, and thank you for standing for the gospel reading found in Matthew 18, verses 23 through 28. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, they brought to him a servant who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Because the servant didn't have enough to pay it back, the master ordered that he should be sold, along with his wife and children and everything he had, and that the proceeds should be used as payment. But the servant fell down, kneeled before him, and said, Please be patient with me, and I'll pay you back. The master had compassion on that servant, released him, and forgave the loan. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred coins. He grabbed him around the throat and said, pay me back what you owe me. The Gospel of the Lord. Please remain standing as we pray. Father God, as we come to worship your name, as we come as the collective of your church, your beloved, as we come to look intently at your word, as you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and hearts that understand that even in today we would turn to you and in the greatness of your love for us, that you would overwhelm us and heal us, uniting us together as one body and to you as the head, as we give you the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. My name is Evan Riedahl. I am one of the pastors here at New Life Downtown. Uh, I say that as one of the pastors because sometimes it really does get confusing who is who and what is what, uh, except for Glenn because uh, he's, he's Glenn, so everybody knows that. But for instance, though, uh, Jason and I, there was somebody who actually came up to me uh, a couple weeks ago, and they were talking to me, and they were using attributes to describe my person, uh, and I was very flattered. And then they walked away, and about 10 seconds later, it hit me. That doesn't actually sound like me. That does sound like Jason, though. 
Ah, oh, it happened again. So, and it gets even more confusing because Jason and I switched roles last fall. So he is over meal groups now, which launched in a couple of weeks. And I get to be over marriage and family ministry. So students, kids ministry, parenting ministry, marriage ministry. I love family and the fact that God has created it. God has given it to us and he's given us even the bigger, greater family uh, within this family of God. So thank you, thank you for uh, letting me bring the word today. You didn't really have a choice, but here we go anyways. Uh, we are in this Easter season, this Easter tide right now, and we are looking at the parables that Jesus said, basically saying Jesus has brought with him the kingdom of God. Now, what is that kingdom like? And oh yeah, the the kingdom, the king of this kingdom, Jesus himself, told us some stories. He gave us parables to describe the kingdom is like this. And we're going through and looking at each of those stories. And the unique thing about the stories, according to Matthew 13, is that the parables aren't meant to necessarily make things clearer. They're stories that have parallelism to truths and to describing the character of God, but it doesn't necessarily always equal a one-to-one, and there's these things I'm going, okay, so it's like that, but what is it exactly? And it takes some intentional looking and some intentional parsing through and meditating and prayer and wisdom and communal reflection for us to go, okay, now I'm starting to get some of what Jesus was trying to say in that. So we started week one looking at the good seeds and the bad weeds, this idea that kingdom requires patience to see how someone's story will end. We don't know, so we wait and we see and we pray for the work of God in their lives. Week two was mustard seeds and yeast. It's looking at the persistence of God's work in us, the mustard seeds and the yeast, the fact that God is at work and it starts small and he's the one with the power and we are just dirt and dough, but it's actually God working in us that is this wonder. And last week we were looking at hidden treasures and pearls, that joy is the reason, surrender is the response, and gain of Jesus is the reward. And I love how Glenn put it last week. It's this charismatic health and wealth. And we're going, it's, it's about the stuff. This is your reward. And it's saying, no, that is way too small of a reward. What we're actually looking at is the greatness of who Jesus is himself and his eternal life. This is our reward. So today we're going to be looking at extravagant forgiveness from the heart in the parable in Matthew 18. Uh, I want to start by just kind of asking us, This is about debts. What is the greatest debt that you have ever had and successfully paid off? Yeah, mortgage, someone, congratulations. Did you do the I'm free thing? You chat, (laughs) ah, free. Uh, For us, did you think about it? Most of us are probably gonna say somewhere between credit card, mortgage, if we have or had one of those, uh, or school loans. So for my wife and I, when we got married, the biggest debt that we had then and have ever had besides the mortgage, which we're chipping at 30 years later. We'll get there. Uh, but the biggest debt that we had was our student loans. We both did a four-year university, a private Christian school, and so we graduated with a combined $30,000 of student loans. Uh, so then we made this wonderful strategic decision to move in with my mom, which is a great strategy for student loans, and some of you married people know living with in-laws is like, That was a blessing. And my wife was going, and get me my own house. Yes, I love you. Thanks, mom. I love you. You're in the back right now. You're amazing. (laughs) Um, But it was. It really allowed us to take two years of intentionality. We were also grieving the loss of my dad. And so we were grieving together. And that was beautiful and good and building the relationship. But also, we just nailed out these student debts. And two years later, $30,000, we were able to pay it off and go, man, that was hard work. That was intentional work. And we were free from that debt. You don't have to clap for that one, but I appreciate that. (laughs) 
I appreciate that. But just imagine that we did this hard work and we were really intentional with this debt, and then we get one day a letter from the IRS saying, congratulations, you have paid off this debt, and in recognition of your exemplary debt payment services, uh, we are deciding that you are responsible enough to take on the entirety of the debt of everybody under the age of 30 for all student loans. What? This is kind of where the story is getting at. Because I looked it up, according to the Federal Reserve website, and the entirety of student debt for everybody under 30 years of age in the United States is $380 billion. Yeah, I can, talk, I can knock out 30,000, but 380 billion. <laughs> and then imagine I went and pleaded with whomever it was that put this debt on me. and said, please, we, just, we can't. Give us, give us time. Let's work out some sort of payment plan. I don't even know how that would work. And then we get into it and some higher power above them, uh, I don't know who that would be over the IRS, but someone, uh, comes in and says, you know what? I heard your plea. I'm going to forgive the entire thing. Oh, the illicit of gratitude. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you. This is kind of the situation that Jesus is presenting to us in Matthew. It's about debt. It's about forgiveness. It's about our response. So we're going to jump in. The, the entirety of chapter 18 in Matthew, if you have your Bibles, open them there. If you have your phone Bible, click and then click and then scroll there. Uh, the entirety of 18 is about kind of debt and sin and forgiveness. It starts with the little ones and Jesus accepting them, no one causing them to sin. It progresses into what happens if a brother sins against you, a brother or sister, and going to them. And then what happens if that doesn't work out? Okay, we'll bring it to the church and that whole order of how we work out um, confronting sin and sin in the church and, and fellow believers. And then it tells, Jesus talks about, you know, he responds to Peter, well, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister? Up to 70 times? Oh no, 70 times seven. You have, you have to forgive eternally, over and over. If they are repenting, you forgive. There is no limit on the forgiveness. And then he ends this entire discussion of sin and forgiveness with this parable at the end of Matthew 18. And we're just going to go step by step through and then pull out some ideas of what forgiveness is like. Chapter 18, verse 23, this is where the parable begins. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The whole setup of this parable is that it's an absolutely absurd debt. It's absurd. It's over the top. And Jesus is trying to show you that. It's not like, oh, wow, this guy's really in deep. He's trying to show you, oh, wow, there is no possible way this guy could be in this deep. It's an extravagant debt owed to the king. Okay, so let me break this down because talents or golds, depending on what translation you're looking at. One talent is equal to 20 years worth of wages for a day laborer. So one talent is equal to 20 years, and he owes him 10,000 year, 10,000 talents. So 10,000 20-year marks, which means in today's currency, it's in the billions, billions and billions and billions of dollars. And this is where the parable, it's, it's the setup of the whole thing going, not only is this guy a servant, he's not the king, he's a servant, so wow, he owes a lot. It's supposed to also say, who would loan him that much money? Like, at what point was he $500 million in debt and somebody decided, sure, you want an extra billion? Here you go. You're doing good with the first part, right? It's just supposed to communicate. This is an absurd debt. 
And the, the parable goes on, verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave his debt. So an absurd debt is met with extravagant forgiveness. This is the setup. There's no way you could possibly amass this much debt. And guess what? In his plea for mercy, the king responds and shows pity and says, I'm not just gonna set up, because I love how this, he comes and asks, please, just give me some more time. I'll work it out. And the king just goes, you know what? It's not just about you working it out. I'm gonna release you from the whole thing. I'm gonna have pity on you and release this debt for you. Verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So an absurd debt that's met with extravagant forgiveness that results in a refusal to forgive a petty debt. So that whole 10,000 talents, billions and billions of dollars to let you all know what a denarii is, it's one day's wage for a day laborer. So it's minimum wage, one day worth of that, and he owes him 100, which equals contemporary money around $8,000. You were owed you owed billions and billions and billions of dollars and they forgave that and then someone owed you $8,000 and you started choking them and forcing them. This is how the parable ends. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went to put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then their master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And this is the finish, the close of it. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from the heart. This, he just does the reveal at the end. This is what it's like. It's like this huge debt that you owe, this minor debt that somebody owes you. The forgiveness and the extravagance of God's forgiveness over us and then holding on to these little grudges. Jesus tells us this last line, and this is the point of the parable. This is how I'm gonna summarize it. God's forgiveness of us empowers us to forgive others. And our forgiveness of others is that which enables us to receive God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness of us empowers us to forgive others and our forgiveness of others enables us to receive God's forgiveness. This is a bit like the process of breathing. Breathing is that which sustains life in us. It is this cyclical thing and we can say often we take a breath in, but that's not the full breath. We also have to push that breath out. And I want you just right now, we're probably all within our normal rhythms, but just take a note of your breath right now, going in, okay, and out, okay. There is a full cycle that requires receiving it and, take, and putting it back out. And that the full cycle of breathing requires both, receiving and releasing. And to remove one would be to halt the life-giving cycle of that breath. 
And Jesus in this parable is telling us something similar, that to remove either receiving the forgiveness of God or giving it out to our fellow brothers and sisters is to remove one of the steps of the life-giving cycles that we've all been released and freed from, and that which is, is the debts we owe and the forgiveness of one another. Receiving the forgiveness of debt should elicit these things, gratitude and mercy. And I, I want us just to look because I can come and I can talk, oh, this is what Jesus said. This is the parable. Oh, look, we should forgive one another. But we need to jump into what forgiveness actually is and isn't because really what it is and isn't is much more complicated, much more intricate, much more involved than just saying, okay, God forgave me, check. I'm gonna go forgive someone, check. I did it, great, it's done. If you can think of the things in which we need to forgive and be forgiven of, we know it's more complicated than that. So a few minutes right now on what forgiveness is and isn't. Forgiveness is a release. Even the posture which with that servant has towards his fellow servant is this choking posture. Forgiveness is this movement. And we had this counselor years ago who told us, this is the start of it. What is the posture of your hands and your body? Once you start forgiving, it's this process of starting to release that. Forgiveness does not require restitution or need to result in restoration. I want to break this down further. So what forgiveness isn't? Forgiveness is not restoration. It's not restoration of the relationship. It's not restoration of the trust between the relationship. It's not this idea of restoration even of, well, now that I'm forgiven, we're all healthy, right? I've restored the health of you and me as individuals. It's none of that. Picture with me, I don't, hopefully this has not happened, but picture with me, uh, somebody coming with, you know, some sort of sharp object and they come and they inflict a wound on you, right? Like they, they poke you uh, to shank, it's a verb. Okay, they, they shank you. <laughs> and you're going, ow, I now have this hurt and this wound and it's open and ow. And, he, and the guy's like, oh, oh, sorry about that. Would, would you forgive me? And you're going, no. And he's like, oh, well, well, actually, I'm a doctor and this was a scalpel. I can do some surgery right now and we can work this thing out in this relationship. We, we can restore it right now. And you're going, no, that, you just stabbed me. Why would I trust you? You just wounded me. Why do you think that this relationship is going back to where it was before? It's a bit like that. Forgiveness of that wound does not mean a restoration of the relationship, of the trust, or even of the health of the individuals. It also does not mean restitution. So forgiveness is not restoration and it is not restitution. It's not saying, hey, you need to make this up to me. If you want me to forgive you, then you need to make up to me. This is the whole schema of the parable of saying, no, you're trying to tell me, just give me more time, I'll make this up to you. And my forgiveness isn't based on you making it up, it's based on me being able just to release you from that. So we're not restoring the relationship and the trust, and there's also not restitution required in the payment and the process of forgiveness. Also, it is not simple, it is not easy, and forgiveness is not immediate. I wanna, yeah, there we go. All right, so I feel like sometimes we have this, 
false narrative in our minds that can potentially creep in with stories like this where Jesus is saying, you must forgive. How many times? Seven times? No, 77 times. Unless you forgive your brother, I can't forgive you. It's this life-giving cycle and this breath. And we think, okay, well, it starts with I have a wound and then there's I am forgiving and then there's the end of now we're forgiven one another. And it's this simple linear thing and I just want to dispel the lie right now. Whatever has gone on that has caused the hurt, that has caused the pain, that has caused the wound, whatever the sin or the offense, it is not simple to enter into forgiveness. It's not a moment, it is a process, it is a journey, and we're gonna talk about that right now. And if that's, not, if that's what forgiveness isn't, this is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a release of debts, of that which constricts our soul to be free, it's a release of needing that restitution or that revenge. It's a release of saying you owe me. And I loved that, that counselor who was saying the choking thing. He was literally saying, when you think of a person who has offended you or hurt you, what is the posture of your body and your hands? Because if the posture is, I want to choke you, like this text talks about, it's going, we're still working on that forgiveness piece. If this is our hands, ah, I, I forgive you. It's like, you're working on forgiveness. Maybe we're not there yet. Take it one step back from that. Maybe it's, oh, I forgive you, but I still want to punch you in the face. Okay, we're working on forgiveness, but maybe we're not there yet. But it's the start of a process of, instead of this choking, I'm going to release you. I'm, I'm going to step away. It doesn't mean the relationship is back. It doesn't mean I trust you. But I'm going to start releasing the offense so that what it's causing on me and the enslaving force of it that my soul is starting to become free of that offense, even if it's still present within the healing journey of it. Forgiveness is a release. Forgiveness is a process. And I think it's like that dot. We think it could be this streamlined thing. Something happens, I forgive, they're forgiven. We're good, right? Maybe if it's a really, really minor offense. But there's this picture that a counselor, Jim Velez, created, and I hope it's clear for some of you. And he tried to visualize the journey of forgiveness to show us how in-depth and intricate it is and that something happens. It's, it's church issues, it's abandonment, it, it's, it's betrayal, it's lies. And then you go into what is the losses? How am I burdening this? The valley of despair, the highways ahead, the past, the future, the grief, the, uh, the bitterness that comes up and the whole thing is saying, I wanna just show you that it's not this linear dot but it is a road that we walk and it's a process and it's a healing and it's, 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 it's a process. So forgiveness is a release. Forgiveness is a process. And Jim Velez also says one other thing. He talks about how it, it is also difficult, rare, and costly. That forgiveness is difficult, rare, and costly. And I want to read you a quote that he has in his, his discussion about forgiveness. Imagine writing hurt on a chalkboard. So use your visuals with me. There's a chalkboard and you are with chalk writing hurt. The hurt that's been caused to you. When you choose to forgive, you release hurt from the chalkboard by erasing it. And you take an eraser and you wipe it off. That's the release part. Where did the hurt go? Away? No. The hurt's on the eraser. Whenever you choose to forgive, you are saying to the one who offended you, I'm willing to bear the consequences of what has happened to me and erase the debt from your ledger. 
I'm gonna read that again. You erase the hurt off the chalkboard. It doesn't go away, it's on the eraser. And this is you saying, I am willing to bear the consequences of what has happened to me and erase the debt from your ledger. This is why forgiveness is difficult, rare, and costly. Because although it's a release, it doesn't mean it releases all the consequences. You have to bear that on, our, on yourself or ourselves still. So many of us know this forgiveness, but something, our hearts need to be changed. Oh, I just totally lost my notes. There we go. All right. This is why I love the last line in this text because it talks about forgiveness from the heart. So too, your heavenly father will not forgive you unless you forgive from the heart. And there's this idea, Abby and Brian, I wanna invite you guys up right now, that we, we have some experiential entering in to this journey, to this road of saying, forgiveness is not cheap, it's not easy, it's not simple, it's not one time, it's difficult, it's hard, I have to enter into it. But the, the root of forgiveness, the power of our ability to even have somebody wound us and then be able to forgive them is anchored in something far greater than ourselves. And it's the fact that the king has forgiven us that absurd debt already. And that whoever we can say, I hold this hurt, I hold this wound, we should also be able to say something in lines with, but I am able to forgive because of the overwhelming love of God for me. And when I sit in that, it empowers me to be able then to release it to you. So I want us to have a bit of an experiential moment right now. And... I really, really do hope that we can all enter into this space together, that the confines of these walls right now is a held space, it's a shared space, it's a sacred space that we're gonna do some heart work in right now. And we're gonna practice some of these things that we've been talking about, about breathing and about releasing, about receiving a breath in and releasing a breath out, about receiving forgiveness from God and releasing forgiveness to someone else in our lives. So we're gonna do these two moments right now. And I want you to think who or what is something in my life, either active if you have it or in the past if that's the case, where forgiveness was necessary, where someone came up with that object and shanked you and said, ah, this wound, this hurt. And for a lot of us, it's not just this one-time thing. It's a complicated, long-term, dysfunctional, manipulative, painful relationship. There's something going on. Hold that. And first, let's look at the forgiveness of God that he has over us. And think of what is it in your life? Where has it been that we've fallen short? Where we would have reason to need to go to the king and ask, king, would you grant forgiveness over me? What are those places, those areas? Maybe sins that we're currently committing, sins of commission, things that we have done, sins of omission, the things that we have left undone. And what are those regions? And, and for some of us right now, I think when it comes to the idea of forgiveness between God and ourselves, it's easier to think of where God could forgive me, but then we stop short because we cannot forgive ourselves and that we should be challenged with the idea, if the God of all of creation has forgiven us in our sins, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If that forgiveness has been given to us from God, who are we 
to refuse any less for ourselves. God, I know you forgive me, but I just can't forgive myself for this. And the reality is that even that needs to come subject to the mass love and forgiveness that God has for us. So this is what we're gonna do right now. Abby and Brian are gonna play and sing over us this amazing grace. And then that, that, uh, that verse that we sang of, my sins are gone, I've been set free. And I want you to hold in the tension God's forgiveness over us. And like these breathing exercises, breathe in and with every breath in, think to yourself, God has forgiven me. My debts are gone. His love overwhelms that. And so we're just gonna take a moment while this sings over us to encounter and to respond and particularly right now to the massive love of God that he has over us. So hold out. What are the sins that we have that God needs to forgive us? And then let this song be sung and let the love of God be washed over you right now. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. this is the reality that's being sung over you. This is the truth. That if we think of forgiveness as a breath in and the cycle of life, there are a couple of breaths that have already been given to you that we're experiencing right now. The first is a creator breath of God in Genesis. When he creates Adam, he breathes into him. That you are a creation of God itself and his life and breath are given to you. And a second breath that scripture talks about that we've been given is this idea of Jesus on the cross, hanging there, struggling for every breath, and yet with one of them, he holds himself up and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And anchored in the love of God, extends it to us, and this song washes over us. God, in that place, you have forgiven me. And we need to spend time and sit in that. But the breath isn't complete until we also exhale and give it to someone else. And I'm not telling you right now is the moment of forgiveness. What I'm hoping that we can do is align ourselves and say, God, I'm willing to be on the road to forgiveness. I'm willing to place myself wherever it might be and say, I will work anchored in your love towards forgiveness of others. Because this great, massive, kingly ransom I owed it and you took it all. And now you're leading me in that empowering place to be able to give someone else. So 
We've been breathing breaths in. I want us to breathe breaths out. And we're gonna sing this same verse and chorus again. And I want us right now to hold in this space. Who is it that you need to forgive? That you need to release? Not from the fact that it was wrong and that we have to live with the consequences. And oh, it doesn't matter. Not amnesia. Oh, don't forget, forget about it, brother. No, it hurt. It still hurts. But based and anchored in the love of God, how do we start letting that healing then affect our ability to be further healed and release it to someone else? So I want us to breathe deep, breathe in and breathe out. And when you breathe out, let this song wash over us that we are empowered to forgive because we have been forgiven. And who is it that we need to start practicing and get on this road with? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, the Jesus. 